This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so we are discussing, we're continuing Igeret Haramban. And uh, we know the story, the famous story of Yisrael Salanta. Yisrael Salanta would always scrutinize his thoughts and actions. And it says the famous story, everyone knows the story, that he would scrutinize himself to the nth degree. And he would base himself on the story. Late one night, he was walking through the town and he saw a light flickering in someone's window. So he sees over there that it's a shoemaker. The shoemaker is making shoes. He's making shoes. So he asked him, he says, why are you making shoes? Why are you working so late at night? It's late at night and your candle is going to go out soon. It's flickering. And the shoemaker says, you're right. But as long as the candle is still lit, it's possible to work and repair. So here he gave, the shoemaker gave Salanta a tremendous musar. As long as the candle is lit, it is possible to repair and fix. Amazing. What did Rabbi Salanta say? I learned a tremendous lesson from this. Because the candle is the candle of life. As long as a person is alive, it's possible to repair and fix. Amazing. If one must work so for his physical needs, he said, how much more so must one work for his spiritual needs as long as the soul flickers within a person? So for many days after that, they could hear a sound in his room going backwards and forwards, repeating over and over again. As long as the candle is burning, it is possible to work and fix. We have to think all the time. As long as the candle is burning... We can work and we can fix. As long as our neshama is still in our, ourselves, we can work and we can fix and we can fix ourselves. And then the second story is Rabbi Israel Salanta was sitting with his students and a very important person comes to ask a question. And at the end, when he left, Israel Salanta had a very big sigh. They asked him, what's wrong, Rabbi? He said, I noticed that the hem of my garment was torn. My clothes were ripped. And here's this important person who came to ask me a question, and my garment was torn. And I said to myself, I said, if I feel embarrassed in front of this man, how much more so I'll feel embarrassed in front of Hashem if I go to Hashem with my garments ripped. So he says, I imagine now how embarrassed a person can be in front of a human being how much greater is a person's shame in the world to come if a person does not fix the garments of their soul? So two very important, two very important lessons from mundane examples. Rabbi Shalom Salanta says, number one is by seeing the cobbler, the shoemaker's candle in the window. And the shoemaker says, as long as the light is light on, there's time to fix and repair. Rabbi Shalom Salanta says, as long as I'm alive, I can fix and repair. Number two is the shame, the embarrassment of going with torn clothes in front of someone important. He says, imagine the shame and embarrassment of going to Alam with ripped clothes, with the soul not fixed. So that is a very important rule that the Ramban tells us. He tells his son, A person should live all their life in Teshuvah. A person should live all their life in Teshuvah. This is a famous Gemara in Shabbat. In the Kuf Nun Gimel, 153a, the Gemara says the story of Rabbi Eliezer bin Hurkudus, 
a famous rabbi of the rabbi of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hukkanus, one of the rabbis of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hukkanus was one of the greatest rabbis, the students of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was a student of Hillel. So Hillel, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabbi Eliezer ben Hukkanus, and then Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hukkanus said before he died, and his students came for a bracha. Give us a bracha, Rabbi. He says, may you all repent one day before you die. Repent one day before you die. So he said, obviously, uh, what's the question? When do we know when we're going to die? We don't know when we're going to die. So he said, okay, so repent every day. First, got to repent, do teshuvah every single day of their life because we don't know when the time has come. It's interesting. Those who are ready, the time delays itself. Those who are not ready, they're the ones that go first. It's very interesting. There's a segula for long life. What's one of the segulas for long life? Buying one's own grave. It's a segula for long life. Preparing ones in those days, I know my grandparents had their own tachrechin. You know, tachrechin, tachrechin are their burial shrouds. There's a box in the closet. Say, what is this <laughs> box in the closet? Tachrechin, their burial shrouds. Imagine. There's an old custom in Yugoslavia. Uh, it's a very famous Ladino custom, the Spanish Jews. It says when a man reached the age of 80, they would measure him for his shrouds. They'd make a big party, like a birthday party, because he's 80 years old, and then measure him up. And to make the tailor would come along and measure him up for the shrouds. But being ready for death is a segula for long life. Not being ready, Shep says, he's not ready. Take him now. It's a very strange idea. The idea is a person should always be ready to go. But being ready to go, they prolong it. Because Hashem says, look, he's ready. There's no rush. He's ready. The other guy's not ready. That's the time. That's the one to go. Interesting. Very fascinating. So a person who lives their life with teshuva, it's a big segula for long life. It's a very big segula for long life. Because the person's ready to go, there's no rush for that person. So a person should do teshuva every single day. Now the word for teshuva is repent, return. Teshuva means tlashuv, to come back to return. But a person should return to Hashem. Should return to Hashem completely and a person should search their actions and draw closer to Hashem. That's the Shuvah. This process is, the Ramban says, you have to do this perpetually. It's a perpetual process. It's interesting because certain days of the year, there's no Vidui. Certain days of the year, like Hanukkah. Hanukkah is happy days. We don't say do Vidui. But still, the person still got to do Teshuvah. Even without Vidui, the person got to do Teshuvah in the head. But every, every second, the person says, I'm sorry, Hashem, whatever I did, Hashem should make it good. Whatever I did, should be raised it. So we have to become attuned to Hashem. So even though we know the 10 days of repentance, best time for Teshuvah. Yosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, best times for Teshuvah. Nevertheless, Rabbi Salanta says, based on this Ramban, always do Teshuvah. Do Teshuvah, perpetual Teshuvah. Every single day, Teshuvah, 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 Teshuvah. So very, very important to do Teshuvah. Rabbi Salanta says, generally people work on repentance during the 10 days of repentance. From Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. The more religious people, they work on Teshuvah. As far as we start saying Sirichot from the Rosh Chodesh Elul. He says, I say Teshuvah starts right after Yom Kippur. Imagine, it's the opposite. The person says, you know, Teshuvah. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Rabbi Salanta says, Teshuvah starts. As soon as Yom Kippur is over, that's when we start. Need to do start. Because <laughs> as soon as Yom Kippur is over, a person relaxes. I did Teshuvah, now we can start new, we'll start messing around again. No, start doing Teshuvah then. And Rabbi Salanta was a model for this. 
Imagine. Every little thing he did, he would examine. I didn't, today, I did not pay attention to my tefillah. Next day, he started working on his tefillah. It should be more effective. Who devised strategies. That's, that's the shuvah, is devising strategies to improve. It's not just saying in one mind, I'll never do it again, I'll be better, but trying to find ways to be better. It's so hard to find ways to be better. How do I improve? But I don't learn enough to us. What should I do? How do I improve? I'm going to dedicate more time. I'm going to fix more time. I'm going to spend more time. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn that. I'm make something positive out of the actions. He would maintain a personal record of his actions. It's very hard. A person keeps a diary. I did this and this and this and this today. This way a person knows what they did. They can do Teshuvah. A person doesn't even remember what they did. How can they do Teshuvah? So a person's going to keep a record. So it's amazing. This power, this is what uh, Ramban says to his son. Always do Teshuvah. Do Teshuvah all the time. You know, Rabbi Yonah of Garona, very, very famous rabbi, who is the cousin of the Ramban. So we talk about the Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, who was, uh, lived in Spain in the 13th century. And his cousin was Rabbi Yonah. Rabbi Yonah of Garona was his cousin of the Ramban, but he went to, to France and he studied with the French rabbis. In those days, there were three different groups of big rabbis, big geniuses. The Spanish rabbis, and then you had the rabbis of Provence. Provence in Spain, southern, southern France, northern Spain. Rabbis of Provence, brilliant, brilliant. And then you had the Bali Tosfot in the north. But in the middle of it, you had a, a, a group of Jews from Spain, from France, who were brilliant people, really brilliant people. And one of them was Rabbi Yonah of Corona. And he's the one who helped put the Rambam in Cherem. They put the Rambam in Cherem because the Rambam in Moreno Vuchim quotes Aristotle. They didn't like the fact that he quoted Aristotle. We know talk about the last day of Hanukkah, the, the fight with the Greeks. And here is the Rambam quoting the Greek philosopher, Aristotle. They didn't like it. They put the Rambam in Cherem. The Rambam says, listen, I take truth from everyone. They didn't like that. He's, he's quoting Aristotle. So they put the Rambam in Cherem. And after a while, they burnt the books of the Rambam. And when the, when the French saw the Jews burning books of the Jews, they, they said, let's join in as well. They gathered all the Gemarot. In those days, books were in my hand. They're irreplaceable. They gathered, I don't know, ten wagon loads of Jewish books, and they burnt it in Paris. And when the rabbis saw that, they said, we went too far. It's because we burnt the Rambam that now they're burning Jewish books. On the pile of the Rambam means the Rambam is also holy. So they regretted putting the Ram on Cherem. And the Rabbi Yonah of Gerona, he says, I'm going to do Teshuvah. He goes from synagogue to synagogue in France, apologizing in public to the Rambam. The Rambam was already dead. But he's still apologizing in public for the Rambam. And he writes a book, Sharei Teshuvah, The Gates of Repentance, for himself to know how to do to repentance. So he wrote this book. That's what something good came out of the story, is he wrote the book of repentance. In the book of repentance, he writes... In the Midrash, on Kohelet, our sages compared the situation of a person who doesn't do teshuva to a case like this. Look at the case. A band of robbers robbed the king. He puts them all in jail. Some of these robbers are very resourceful. So what they do is they dig a tunnel out of the jail. They dig a tunnel out of the jail, and six out of seven robbers ran away through the tunnel. The seventh robber stayed in the jail. The king's soldiers come, and they see one guy left, and the rest ran away. They start beating him. Why beating me? I didn't run away. He says, we're beating you because you didn't run away. You're an idiot. You should have run away when you had the chance. We're beating you because you didn't run away. 
So this is, he says, a person doesn't do teshuva. Teshuva is like a tunnel, running away and escaping on sin. He says, if we don't do teshuva, it's a very big thing. So very important to do teshuva and run away and, and escape through the tunnel. A person doesn't do teshuva, they're caught, they're stuck in the dungeon. So that's a very important idea, the idea that we should always do teshuva. So that's what the Ramban tells his son. Ramban tells his son, all your days you should live in Teshuvah. Every day a person should think about what they did during that day, what, what can I do better, how can I improve. So now there's a fam- another famous story. This is a true story of the Rambam. Very, very famous story. A man comes to the Rambam. And we know what happened was this man, every Yom Kippur, there's many vidui's we say in Yom Kippur. I did this, I did this. I said in Yom Kippur, many times, every tefillah we say vidui, 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 vidui. I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this. This man, when he came to vidui, he ran away. Every vidui, he walked outside. Every vidui, walk outside. <coughs> Sram calls him. says, what's going on? Why do you go outside the shul on vidui? So he says to the Rambam, he says, listen to this. He says, Rabbi, he says, I don't want to tell lies on Yom Kippur. I didn't do all these things. I didn't rob, I didn't steal, I didn't commit adultery, I didn't do all these things. So why am I saying the vidui? We, we sinned, we did this, we robbed, we stole. I didn't do anything. I don't want to tell lies on Yom Kippur. I don't lie to Hashem in Yom Kippur. So the Chida brings us down. Rav Chaim Yosef David Azuzayim is a very famous rabbi in the 17th century. He writes down the Rambam's reply to this man. I just want to quote to you what he says. He says, my dear man, your words, you have no idea how to serve Hashem. I see from what you're saying that you have no idea how to serve Hashem. Why? Because our duties to Hashem are unlimited. Our duties to Hashem are unlimited. They're very complex. Nobody can say, I've done everything I need to do. Nobody can leave the world and say, I did my best. I did everything. No one. We're all miss, we all miss, miss something. We all miss something. If your self-appraisal would be objective, you would discover... Every day of your life, in some way, transgress every sin in the vidui. If you want to examine, so he compares it to just like a tree. A tree has leaves, branches, and a trunk. So maybe you didn't do the sin, which is like the trunk of the tree, but maybe you did like the leaf. You did a small part of the sin. So maybe you never committed adultery. Maybe you did think of a married woman. You saw her beauty, and she's, wow, she's gorgeous. So you didn't actually do the physical act, but you did something. You thought about it. So that's so therefore, he says, he brings a proof, King David. King David, the Torah talks about Bathsheba, David and Bathsheba. And the Gemara says, whoever says David made a sin is a make a mistake. Because Bathsheba was really divorced. Her husband, before they went to the war, they would divorce their wives. She was divorced. So why was he punished? And the answer is because him on his state, he should have known better. He shouldn't even think about it. Because they knew that the husband was going to come back and remarry her. So because he was such an exceptionally big Hasid, he was a pious person, it was considered a very big sin on his level. So for him it was considered adultery. So it was, whatever we do, it's never enough. You're serving Hashem, it's never enough. It's always something more to do. It's always something higher level to do. And there were persons who got to do Teshuva every single day. I'm going to come to this amazing story, one of my favorite stories. Rav Sadia Gon. Sadia Gon is one of the Geonim. So we know we have to go back in history in the Jewish history, we know there are different levels of rabbis. Right? So the highest level we have are the Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Shoftim and the judges. 
and Anshir Knesset Gdullah, the leaders of the Great Assembly. After the leaders of the Great Assembly, we have the Tanaim, the rabbis in the Mishnah. And then we have the Amoraim, the rabbis in the Talmud. And then we have the Geonim, the period of the Geonim. The period of Geonim was about, um, I'd say, uh, 600 to 1,000 CE. 600 to 1,000 CE, or maybe 800 to 1,000 CE, period of Geonim. One of the great Geonim was Rafsadia Gaon. Rafsadia Gaon says, it's a story. He says, once he stayed with an innkeeper. He stayed in the hotel. Rafsadia Gaon, this great rabbi, he stayed in the hotel. And the hotel keeper didn't know who he was. Okay, so he gave him a room, he gave him a bed, treated him very well. And one day he started hearing people are saying, oh, the great rabbis in the hotel, the big rabbis in the hotel. So he goes to Rav Sadiago and he says, he starts crying. He says, Rabbi, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He says, why? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, he says, I don't know who, I didn't know who you were. If you, I knew who you were, I'd give you a better room, I'd, get, I'd treat you much better. So forgive me, please forgive me, I'm sorry. So Rav Hadigon said, he said, you taught me a very big lesson. Because every day we serve Hashem. But every day when we serve Hashem, we should also grow in our knowledge of Hashem. And when we grow in our knowledge of Hashem every day, we should think, I didn't know Hashem was so great yesterday. If I didn't know how great Hashem was yesterday, I didn't serve Hashem as well as I should have. Every day I know how great Hashem, I know Hashem is greater than what I thought yesterday. So every day when I serve Hashem, I'm not serving Hashem enough. So each passing day, I discover new levels of Hashem's kindness to me. I realize whatever respect and service I offered Hashem yesterday was insufficient. It's because every day in our lives, we should appreciate more Hashem. So yesterday I didn't appreciate enough. I got to do tshuva on yesterday. Every day we should appreciate Hashem more and more. If I appreciate Hashem more and more, yesterday was a disaster. Why? I did not appreciate Hashem enough. So it's a very important idea, this idea of appreciating Hashem and doing Teshuvah every day. Why didn't I serve Hashem to the best of my ability yesterday? I didn't realize how great Hashem was yesterday. It's interesting because a person learns science or physics, whatever it is, a person should realize, I didn't know how big the universe was yesterday. So the, more, the bigger the universe, now I have a grasp of how big Hashem is. Awesome. It's awesome. Think about how big the universe is. Awesome. It's hard to even imagine. Just our Milky Way, the so-called Milky Way, our galaxy is vast. It's vast. It's so massive. Think of how many galaxies there are in the world, in the universe. And just, and the mind boggles. And then think how great Hashem is, and we say, how am I serving Hashem? This, how can I serve Hashem? It's impossible to serve Hashem enough. Look what Hashem did for me. So it's impossible. That's, so that's what Teshuvah is important. I was going to say, I didn't serve Hashem enough. I wish I did serve Hashem more. Okay, now we come to, we're moving on to a different topic, which is the topic of tefillah. It's a very, very vast topic, the topic of prayer. How do we pray to Hashem? And here the Ramban is telling his son. Very important advice. And this is very hard to do. We have to understand it. Number one, when you pray to Hashem, remove all external thoughts from your mind. You know, the hardest thing to do when you're praying is to focus the mind. Hardest thing to do. So he says, when you're praying to Hashem, remove all the external thoughts from your mind. And pray, carefully pray, prepare your heart to pray to Hashem. When I say heart, we mean the mind. So mind's going to focus on praying to Hashem. Remove all the extraneous thoughts from your mind. Now what's interesting about prayer, is prayer spiritual or is prayer physical? 
So it's an interesting debate in the Gemara. Should a person stop learning Torah in order to pray? And one opinion says in the Gemara, no. On no accounts you should stop. Why? Because learning Torah is going to get you to Olam Abba. And prayer is for Olam Azeh, for this world. Why is prayer for this world? Because in our prayers, what do we pray for? You pray for health, you pray for strength, you pray for Parnassah. All these things are for this world. Whereas when you learn Torah, you're getting high levels of the next world. So why should you stop learning Torah, which is the next world, and then focus on this world? You're breaking down yourself. Anyway, it's interesting. What is greater, prayer or Talmud Torah? Anyway, the halacha is, you have to pray. Halacha is, you've got to stop learning Torah, pray, and then go back to learning Torah. So Ramban says, when you pray, you have to remove all extraneous thoughts from your mind. This is one of the hardest things to do. But this is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch by the Ramah. Before one begins to pray, meditate upon the greatness of Hashem and the lowliness of man. In other words, a person should just jump into the tefillah. Before you say, Hashem Hashem open my lips. And my lips should keep talk about your greatness. But you think, He is so great and I am so small. Before you even start, it's a, you know, people just jump into the tefillah, like jumping into the deep end. But they shouldn't jump into the deep end. You've got to think, before you're jumping, why am I jumping? What am I doing? And the answer is, first you've got to think how great Hashem is. The awe of Hashem. I am going to meet my Creator. I am meeting my, the one who can give me whatever I need. I'm going to meet Him now. It's a very, very important meeting. It's the most important meeting you can have in your life. And we do it three times a day, and we get used to it, and we forget what it's for. It's tragic. It's the most important meeting with the most important person you can have. Imagine you're going for a tremendous meeting, one of the great people who could do what you're asking for a favor, you have an opportunity, and you fix your jacket, you look good, and you're going to think, what am I going to say? What am I going to say in this meeting? I got an opportunity of a lifetime. And what do we do? We just stand there, and we don't even think about what we do. Stand there, get it off our chest, and that's it, and pray. So, what are we doing? That's exactly what Ramban says. When you pray, remove all external matters from your mind. Which is very hard to do, because we're praying for external matters. We're praying for a punishment, we're praying for our livelihood. So, what's on our mind is our livelihood. You pray for your livelihood, of course. I'm praying for my health, and my family's health, and this one's health, that one's health. Of course, it's extreme. What is it? Stop talking about it. Stop thinking about God. It's praying for other people. So what does that mean? So he says, before you pray, before you pray, meditate upon the greatness of God and think about lowliness, lowliness of man. Who are we? Small human beings. Exactly what Abraham Avinu does. Abraham Avinu is going to pray about Saddam. What does he say? Hashem, I am the dust and ashes. Why does he have to say that? And the answer is, he knows where he stands in relationship to Hashem. This is Abraham Avinu. Well, he's our role model. He's teaching us how to pray. Before you pray, think about where you stand. So a person says, you know what? I'm the greatest. I don't need you, Hashem. His prayers are finished straight away. The person says, Hashem, you're the greatest. I'm who am I? I need your help. Obviously. You go to someone for a help. You say, you know something, you, you have so much. You can help me so much. I have nothing. Can you help me, please? Okay, maybe. The person says, I don't need your help. That was who? Bar Kokhba. Bar Kokhba was 
could have been the most successful Mashiach. Tragic, tragic. Biggest tragedy was, yeah, says Hashem, I don't need your help. Just don't pray for my enemies. Just don't help my enemies. I don't need your help, but just don't help my enemies. Hashem says, you're just a disaster. You just killed yourself. Terrible. Bar Kokhba was, it says, the legends go that he was so strong when the Romans had their catapults, they would, they would throw these big stones. He would catch them between his knees, it says, and throw them back. And the Romans didn't believe that you could kill this man. So when the, when the Karaites came, the, the Samaritans, Samaritan came with Bar Kokhba's head. I killed Bar Kokhba. Liar. There's no way you could kill that man. I want to see his body. The Roman emperor says, I want to see his body. Hadrian. So they bring the body and they see the snake had bit him. The poisonous snake had bit him. That's how he died. He said, no, no human being could kill this man. He really was a... And uh, the way he tested his troops and the bravery, how they could had to cut off their own thumbs. Crazy. It was a crazy situation. He was, he was a bit crazy. Barkov was a bit crazy. And unfortunately. But he could have been the greatest... He could have been the Mashiach. He could have been... If he had more Yerat Shemayim, he could have been the Mashiach. But his, his strength went into his head, which is the opposite of what we're saying. Pray to God from lowliness. Hashem, I can't do without you. He prayed to God and said, I can do without you, just don't help my enemies. Biggest mistake in the world. Biggest mistake. And then, number one, that's number one. Number one is humility. To pray, you need humility. Number two, let him pluck from his heart his yearning for the mundane pleasures of the world. A person should not even think about the mundane pleasures of the world when a person is praying. It's very hard. You're not allowed to pray after you eat. You're meant to pray before you eat. Right? Halakha is, you're not allowed to eat half an hour before mincha time. What does that mean? A main, a main, a main meal. One of the big meals. Today, we're Ashkenaz are very lenient on this. They say something about a wedding feast. You can't have a wedding feast before you pray mincha. But uh, it doesn't say that. It says you can't have a meal. So Shukhanav says you can't have a meal. Two slices of bread or more. You can have a snack. You can have rice. You can have uh, potatoes. You can have this. You can't have a meal of bread before you pray mincha. Why? Because a person should go approach God through humility. When a person's full, you don't need Hashem. You need Hashem when you're not full. On the other hand, when you're not full, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about your meal. So he says not to approach God thinking about mundane pleasures. It's very hard also. Number three, a person is not allowed to kiss other people in the synagogue. Even one's own children, because the synagogue is a place where you show love to God only. So we kiss the Torah, we kiss the mitzvot, not to kiss anyone else. It's a very old Sephardic custom, you see Moroccans especially, they kiss each other. They go for Aliyah and then they start kissing their father, they kiss each other, father, sons, they kiss each other. Not a good place. It's not a good place to kiss each other. A person should not kiss the children even in the synagogue. Sending us a place to show love of Hashem. So let's just recap. Before one prays, number one, remove all external matters from one's bread. Because we're standing in front of Hashem. Number two, think about how great Hashem is, how small we are. Number three, remove all thoughts of mundane pleasures. Number four, remove thoughts of love of other people. Just Hashem. Love Hashem. So the major question we have is, how can Ramban, Ramban say to his son, remove all thoughts of external matters when our prayers are about external matters? What are we praying for? Praying for Mashiach. That's external. 
We're praying for safety and security. That's external. We're praying for building Yerushalayim, which is external. Everything we pray for is external. Health, prosperity, freedom, success. So the answer is, we're praying for bounty of this world. We're trying to elevate our thoughts beyond the mundane. Why are you praying for this bounty? Give me the tools to be able to serve you better. In other words, if I just pray for wealth for the sake of wealth, that's mundane. If I pray for wealth so I can serve Hashem better, that's holy already. Big difference. Hashem says, Hashem, bless me so I can serve you better. That's, that's very holy. But says, bless me so I can be blessed and I can live a good life. It's mundane. It's very important. So a person's got to pray for the bounty of this world, but elevate it above the mundane. We ask for the resources of this world so we can use them as tools to serve Hashem. So you can imagine, two people are praying for money. One person prays for money for the sake of having money so he can enjoy life, and the other person prays for money so he can do mitzvot. I want the money so I can move to Israel, I can build a house in Israel, I can learn Torah in Israel. I can... There's so many things we can do with money. I can help many people. So two different prayers at two different dimensions. Two different ways, perspectives of life. Rechaim Veloshin says the true purpose of prayer is to increase Hashem's sovereignty in this world. What does that mean? Because when you are praying to Hashem, you're showing He's the King, He's the boss. When you're praying to Hashem, you're saying Hashem is Melech HaOlam. Who are we praying to? Praying to Melech HaOlam. So when you pray to Hashem, you're seeing that Hashem is the king. We're asking for blessings from God's hands, so Hashem's influence should permeate the world. You know, it's interesting. When Jews are doing well, and Israel is doing well, it's a big kiddush Hashem. The world's impressed with God's power. When Israel's not doing well, and the Jews are not doing well, it's a chilu Hashem. When Jews are being killed in the world, no one's saying anything, it's a chilu Hashem. The Holocaust is a tremendous chilu Hashem. The state of Israel is tremendous Kiddush Hashem. Six day wars are tremendous Kiddush Hashem. Seventy three wars are tremendous Chilu Hashem. Chilu Hashem is God's power in the world is looked upon by other people as dead in the world. God is dead. What's happening with His power? His power is empty. So it's very important. So when we pray, we're also praying to uplift Hashem's power in the world by giving us, by helping us. Israel is strong. Hashem's power is in the world. Uplifting Hashem. So when we're praying, we should ask pleasure, we should have blessings from Hashem. So your influence, Hashem, should, should permeate the world. Give me Hashem, so I can permeate the world with your name. Like Yosef, give me the strength to be the viceroy of Egypt. Why? I'll make all the Egyptians mention your name, Hashem. It's amazing, His power. The power of, of uh, Yosef. One man. One man can change the world. Abraham changed the world. We can change the world. The influence of one person. We can talk in God's name. So genuine prayer, a person learns how to use the world as a springboard. Very important. Pray for these things in order to serve Hashem. That's a springboard. You're using this world, the benefits of this world, for a springboard to reach higher. I need the money to reach higher. I need the health to reach higher. I need the brains to reach How many people pray for brains? Honestly. You, Hashem, give a person brains. Right? What are we meant to think of? Hashem, give me the brains to learn your Torah. 
on the brain stuff. So I want the able to understand because the Torah is deep and it's very hard to understand. Very, very hard to understand. So a person should pray properly. And then pray for Teshuvah. Pray for Salah Lanu So, you know, it's interesting. A person can pray for Teshuvah for themselves, but we should pray for Teshuvah for the whole of Klal Yisrael. Because everyone does Teshuvah. Mashiach will come. No time. We have to pray for Teshuvah. We have to pray for everyone to do Teshuvah. Ramban writes in his commentary of the Torah. Look what he says. This is a commentary on Exodus. The intent of all the commandments is we acquire a firm belief in God. The intent of the commandments is we acquire a firm belief in God and proclaim Him as the one who has created us. The purpose of the commandments is to proclaim Hashem as the creator. Hashem is the creator of the world. And this is the very purpose of creation. There's no other reason for creation. In other words, why did God create the world? He wanted to be acknowledged as the creator. Why did He create human beings? He didn't need human beings. He wants to be acknowledged as a creator. So when we acknowledge God as the creator, we're fulfilling the purpose of the world. All Hashem asks from us is that we know Him and testify He is the creator. All the prayers we recite, all the synagogues we build, are to prove that God is the creator. Hashem is the creator. He is the master of the universe. He is the creator of the world. All our blessings. That's all we say. Hashem is the creator of the world. Hashem is the creator of the world. And that's what we say. We are your creations, Hashem. So that is another very powerful part of tefillah, you have to understand. is by asking Hashem for things, we're saying to Hashem, you are the main giver in the world. You are the main creator of the world and you're the source of everything in the world. The Gemara says, when you pray, you have to have kavanah. Kavanah, what is kavanah? It comes to the word Kavana comes with the word kibun. Kibun lechaven. What's lechaven? Direction. To find direction. Lechaven. To find direction. When a person prays, the Gemara says, you have to direct your heart to Hashem, to heaven. You have to direct your heart to heaven. Because prayer is the pathway to Hashem. Tfilah bli kavana. A prayer without concentration is like a body without a soul. Automatic. Imagine, a person's praying, words, 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 words. Beautiful body. There's nothing inside the body. It's empty. It's a box with no, no contents. Because the box is the prayers, and the contents is going to be the intention behind the prayer. So it's important to have the intentions behind the prayer. So look at, listen to this Gemara. The Gemara says, when Rabbi Yezir was on his sickbed, his students came to visit him and asked, Our master, teach us the pathways of life so we may reach the world to come. Rabbi Yezir says, When you stand in prayer, know before whom you are praying. And that's how you will merit the world to come. Just by knowing who before whom you are praying. What does that mean? Prayer is a meeting with Hashem. If you're meeting with Hashem, you're just having a little bit of Olam because What is Olam is about? Olam is meeting Hashem. You're with Hashem. So prayer, by, by meeting Hashem in prayer, you just tasted Olam That's a preparation for Olam The best preparation for Olam is, so a person says, you know what, I'm used to being with Hashem. What do you mean used to being Hashem? Every time I pray, I'm having a relationship with Hashem. 
So, relationship with Hashem in our prayer, one day will be a complete relationship with Hashem in Allah Abba. Just eternal relationship with Hashem. So how does a person get used to Allah Abba? How does a person have direction to Allah Abba? Tefillah is the key to Allah Abba. When you stand in prayer, know before whom you're praying, and that you'll be married for the world to come. Why? Because by having that connection to Hashem in the prayer, both will merit having connection to Hashem in Allah Abba. Very amazing. So tefillah is a moment of transformation. Before we pray, we're lonely. It's, it's hard to be a Jew. Listen, we're lucky. This is the best time of Jewish history, and it's, it's bad enough, you know, it's bad enough. And it's getting worse now. You go up and down like here goes. Even America today is anti-Semitism. It's hard to imagine. Uh, I saw an article that now Holocaust survivors are scared now to show they're Jewish anymore. They're getting to the point where they're... Like this woman, right? She was uh, in, uh, was it, Columbia University? Uh, she was a professor in her office. They put swastikas in her office. And then the last week, there was a councilwoman in Queens, Jewish councilwoman. She got a nasty anti-Semitic letter. And the police say, there's nothing we can do. It's free speech. Nothing we can do. So it's on the people are getting more bold. Uh, two people were beaten up. One in uh, Brook- Williamsburg, one in Brooklyn, beaten up. So it's... That's how I grew up. That's how I grew up. When I grew up in London, that's what it was like. You walk down the street. It's worse. Huh? It's worse. Don't know. I got beaten up twice. <laughs> when I was a kid. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, there's no outward signs. You, you know, it's obvious. They could tell you Jewish. That was enough for them. So prayer is a moment of transformation. Why? Because before praying, a person feels alone, frightened. Who are we? We're, we're all alone in this world. Like Yaakov Vino, I'm going to meet Esav. Terrified. So weak and torn by worries which overwhelm a person. When a person prays, a person who's praying properly, he understands he has a Father in Heaven to latch onto. And give all the burdens to his Father in Heaven. And that's what uh, David Amir says in Psalms. Gol ala Shem yuhavecha. Throw Hashem all your burdens. But who you kalkalecha, and He will sustain you. So it's very important to remember that, that a person, when they pray, they're transferring all their worries to God. And from there, we'll get our strength. Hashem is the source of all our strength. Bezrat Hashem, in praying, we'll be successful. We'll pray, we'll build a relationship with God. And we'll build that relationship with God, we'll strengthen ourselves. And we'll merit also Alam Abba because that is our main connection to Hashem. So when you pray, you get a little bit of that spark connected with Hashem and the real connection will be in Alam Abba. But a person getting that merit of prayer by having that connection to Hashem and build that connection to Alam Abba. Hashem will continue next week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com